0: So, in the end, Jesus' concern was not what we must do in order to secure some heavenly bliss, but rather what does the present state of our world here on earth require of us? Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 339, and our title this week is A Pebble Cast into a Pond. In Matthew 5.5, 5, we read, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Matthew's Sermon on the Mount calls the meek to imagine a world where they inherit the earth. It doesn't assure them that they'll go to some post-mortem heaven. Nowhere in the Jesus story, Does he ever share a a soundbite presentation of the gospel or even try to get people to to say a special prayer so they can go to heaven when they die? Even in the book of Acts, the message is never that a fear of post-mortem hell is motivation to follow Jesus. The message instead is a hope of injustice, oppression, and violence being righted on this earth. Matthew's readers are called, Called to pray, even that God's just community would come and that justice would be established on earth as it is in heaven. You can find that in Matthew six ten. Jesus stood in the Hebrew prophetic justice tradition, and that tradition and hope w- was grounded on earth with those who hungered and thirsted for things to be put right. You find a reference to that in in Matthew five six. In the stories, we see a Jesus who made people whole so they could then go and make the world that they called home whole too. Jesus' focus was creating a human community that practiced distributive justice, where together we have enough for each of us to thrive and to live into our full humanity. Uh, Far too often, certain sectors of Christianity We've preached a gospel of escaping our world instead of embracing Jesus's call to reshape our world around us. As Brock and Parker explain in their book, Saving Paradise, how Christianity treated love of the world for crucifixion and empire. This is page 378. Popular forms of Christianity that embrace redemptive violence and look to heaven in a world to come have become a major Public and political voice for Christianity in recent decades. We can see that right now. If you just look around, they go on reiterating Christian perspectives that echo imperial Christianity. They bless conquest and colonization and privilege those with wealth and status. They sanction war against evildoers and exploit the environment. The paradise they offer is on the other side of the end of the world. They're a apost- expectations, imagine that God's plan is to destroy this earth and rapture and elect few into heaven. By contrast, Jesus's teachings pointed toward personal and systemic change now and making our communities a safe and just home for everyone now. Jesus called for distributively just changes in this life, and he called his followers to share that focus. You can find it in Mark 10:21, Matthew 19, 21, Luke 11:42, 42, Luke 12, Luke 18, and then there's one also in Luke 19, 8. In Matthew, Jesus blesses those whom the present world makes poor, those oppressed by the, the present system. God's just society on earth is especially for them. And those hungering because of how this world is structured, they would be filled and satisfied. Those the present system causes to mourn or to grieve or to weep would break out in joy and laughter for the world being put right. And those who would join him in standing up against injustice, who, who would choose to be hated by those benefiting from the present arrangement, who would choose being excluded or even lied about and insulted by the privileged for speaking out, they would be called blessed we find this whole lineage or iteration in, in Matthew 5, 3 through 12. And those benefiting from the current world at others' expense would find Jesus's changes, remember, harder to embrace. We find this warning in Luke 6, 24 through 26. Those who were well-fed in the present world would see Jesus' teachings instead as a threat, not a blessing. Today, not much about social injustice has changed from the injustices at work when the Jesus story was written. Today, we're still called not to be passive in regards to injustice, oppression, and the violence we see around us. In the words of John Sobrino in his book, Christ the Liberator, of You from the victims, page 88, he says, the cross for its part tells of God's affinity with victims, and we're called to this affinity as Jesus followers, too. It's past time for Western Christianity to let go of a primary focus of an age to come and ask instead how Jesus's teachings could save us from this present evil age. I'm reminded of the challenge that Ida B. Wells made in in Crusade for Justice when she said, our American Christians— are too busy saving the souls of white Christians from burning in hellfire to save the lives of black ones from the present burning in fires kindled by white Christians. That's on page 154 through 155. Will large sectors of Christianity continue to miss the connection between the transformative, distributive and restorative work that we should be doing in our world today? Will we stop feeling as if any engagement with our social systems for justice and mercy and peace in this world is the work of others but but not our own? No matter how small or how disconnected it may feel to you this week, no matter how tempted you may be to categorize your your present efforts to move uh, this world towards justice, mercy, and peace as futile. Uh, Our voices, our work, our effort, our love, and our solidarity, they are not in vain. They're not futile. We are building on the changes brought about by those who came before us, and we have to ask ourselves, will those who come after us be able to build on our work? As Angela Davis reminds us, you have to act as if it were possible to radically transform the world, and you have to do it all the time. Now, that all the time, it doesn't mean that we should also not take time for self-care. Self-care is part of our work of transforming the world Too. I'm challenged by, by Angela Davis's words here, especially because of my Christian background. I was raised with the futile belief that nothing I could do— could make a difference in this present age. John Dominic Crossan, he challenges this mentality among Christians in his book Rediscovering the Revolutionary Message of the Lord's Prayer. This is on a uh, uh, page 27 through 28. You have been waiting for God, Jesus said. while God has been waiting for you. No wonder nothing is happening. You want God's intervention, he said, while God wants your collaboration. God's kingdom is here, but only in so far as you accept it, enter it, live it, and thereby establish it. Of course, we'll get discouraged sometimes. Change doesn't happen overnight, and it never happens as quickly as we want. Change happens incrementally as we keep at it, and I hope that one day I'll be able to look back at each chapter of my life and the the various justice efforts that I've participated in and, and see that we have made a difference. And Whenever I get discouraged, I remind myself of these words. This is uh, from Dorothy Day, The Long Loneliness, page 11. People say, what is the sense of our small effort? They cannot see that we must lay one brick at a time, take one step at a time. A pebble cast into a pond causes ripples that spread in all directions. Each one of our thoughts, words, and deeds is like that. No one has a right to sit down and feel hopeless. There's too much much work to do so, in the end, Jesus's concern was not what we must do in order to secure some heavenly bliss, but rather, what does the present state of our world here on earth require of us? How do we respond to the needs of those being harmed, and how can we participate with them in struggling for a, a more just world? Walter Rauschenbusch, in his classic volume, A Theology for the Social Gospel, paid 15. He writes the non-ethical practices and beliefs in historical Christianity Christianity nearly all center on the winning of heaven and immortality. On the other hand, the kingdom of God can be established by nothing except righteous life and Action. Uh, may our focus this week be that of Matthew's Jesus, inheriting the earth and an earth that's worth inheriting. Each day with the, the choices that we make, we are shaping the kind of earth that we want to be a part of. May we be able to look back on, on each of our journeys and see an earth made more just than it would have been without us and without our efforts. Each of us, as Dorothy Day said, are pebbles cast into a pond heart group application this week. We at Renewed Heart Ministries, we're continuing to ask all heart groups not to meet together physically at this time. Please stay virtually connected and, and practice physical distancing. When you go out, uh, remember to keep that six foot distance between you and others. Wear a mask and, and, and continue to wash your hands to stop the spread of this virus. We have crested over 180,000 deaths now in the United States, a, a, a country that only has 5% of the world's population and yet we are uh, uh, making up uh, more than 20% uh, of the deaths from this pandemic. So so uh, this is a time where we can practice taking care of one another, uh, prioritizing the most vulnerable among us and and coming up with even new ways to take care of each other while we're we're physically apart. So when you virtually meet together this week in your heart group, share something that spoke to you from this week's e site or podcast. Number two, discuss with your group movements in the past that enable us to further justice work today. And how can you imagine future generations being able to build on our work today? And number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, and just home uh, for everyone. Discuss that with your group and then pick something from the discussion to put into practice this upcoming week. Thanks for checking in with us today right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.